Hey, hi, welcome to the January Essential Vegan Desserts Live event at Ruby. I'm Fran Costigan, and I'm so happy to welcome you here today. Thank you for spending the next hour or so with me. This is a subject that I'm very invested in, cakes. We're going to be talking about vegan cakes in particular, but, you know, Julia Child, one of my heroes, I learned to cook out of Julia's book, and I'll tell you some other time maybe how I actually got to cook in one of her kitchens, the kitchen that was up in Vermont or Massachusetts. I don't remember where I was so excited. I hardly remember, but it was fabulous. But I met Julia, and she <laughs> asked me what I did. I met her at an IACP conference. She said, and what do you do? And I thought, how am I going to tell Julia Child? Well, I bake cakes without butter and eggs. But I did. And you know, she just leaned down and she said, that is so interesting. Tell me more. Now, that is Julia just really interested in the process. And so what I want to share with you today is what makes a cake a vegan cake? What makes a good vegan cake? What goes into baking a good vegan cake? So if there is anyone who doesn't know, I really believe in beginner's mind and let's all get on the same page. There is some confusion about what is vegan. I'm going to use the word vegan and plant-based kind of interchangeably. But a vegan cake will have no butter, no dairy at all. So that's no butter, no sour cream, no milk no cream cheese, nothing that's dairy at all, and no eggs. For ethical vegans, the sugar, the sweeteners need to be vegan as well. And what makes a granulated sweetener cane sugar vegan? Well, it hasn't been filtered through bone char, so it's not pure white. And then there are some other, basically, that's it. No eggs, no dairy, and vegan sweetener, a vegan sweetener, and then you've got a vegan cake. Now, back in the day, I was trained traditionally. I know some of you know that, and I may be repeating, so please forgive me. Um, I was trained traditionally. I was working as a pastry chef in an Upper East Side Market shop um, in Manhattan. I loved the work. People liked my baked goods very much, but I wasn't feeling well. I had terrible stomach aches, terrible congestion. And I read a book and I decided to change my diet and I gave up all dairy, all animal foods. Felt great, found all these new foods that I wasn't aware of. And I really never looked back. I was very happy. It wasn't what it is today. Today we have much more, we have better ingredients to work with than when I started testing vegan desserts, well, over 25 years ago. People tend to think, or some people who've had early vegan desserts tend to think vegan cakes aren't good. Well, when they're made properly, they are delicious. There shouldn't be anything about taking, looking at a vegan cake or taking a bite of a vegan cake and saying, oh, it tastes vegan. It should just be absolutely unapologetically delicious cake. 
And that's for sure. You can take that to the bank if you make your cakes properly. I have had some traditional cakes made with butter and eggs and non-vegan sweeteners that were awful. And I bet some of you have as well. But, you know, that said, vegan cakes are a relatively new category as compared with traditional cakes. There have been vegan cake recipes for a very long time, and you may see some of these labeled as a depression cake or the accidentally vegan cake. They were made during wartime when eggs and butter and milk were really difficult to procure. I used some of those old recipes, and there's one that still travels around a lot. I've got two versions of them in my book, Vegan Chocolate. I may have one in another book. Uh, and it was this particular cake recipe relied on baking powder, baking soda, two chemical leaveners, and vinegar. So when I was thinking about how to create delicious cakes that just happened to be vegan, that was my basis. Over 25 years ago, there were no commercial egg replacers on the market. And so I went to the baking powder, baking soda and vinegar, and it worked really well. There isn't an exact proportion. There isn't an exact formula in the way that there are formulas for the traditional cakes because our flowers are different. Our sweeteners have different properties. There are some sweeteners. And as you practice, as you learn, you just really get a sense of what's going on. Now, for example, last month I watched, I think it was last month, maybe it was the beginning of this month, I watched a wonderful live event that chefs Scott and Jackie did for the French pastry course. And it was specifically on sponge cakes. And it was fascinating to me. You know, again, I know the traditional techniques and this is something that we really hone in on in essential vegan desserts. You have to understand technique. I have seen recipes for vegan sponge cakes. And if you've watched the great British baking show, which I certainly have, and I love that show. I really, I find it terrific. You know, you see the Victoria sponge, for example. Well, a traditional sponge cake really has three ingredients, flour, sugar, and eggs. There is no chemical leavening or shortening. So we can't do that. We cannot make a traditional or adjust to a traditional sponge cake but we can what is a sponge cake it is a light spongy cake and we can make that kind of a delicious tender cake when we're following reliable recipes and the techniques that make baked goods work every single time reliably there's nothing like oh it worked this time but didn't work that time we don't like it so when you see recipes for a Victoria, a vegan Victoria sponge, especially from our friends in the UK, what is it? It's a British layer cake made up of two buttery tender sponge rounds that sandwich a thick layer of jam and often a dollop of whipped cream. We can do that. We can do that. 
So how do we make excellent, reliable vegan cakes that everyone can enjoy? We follow the same rules that any pastry person or any pastry student or chef follows. Accuracy is key to a predictable outcome. Measure your ingredients carefully. Check the oven temperature. I don't care how fancy your oven is. You need to have at least one oven thermometer and adjust. When my ovens ding, that means I have to allow more time. You want to get your racks set in the proper position and allow enough time to preheat the oven. You bake cakes on the center rack. I bake my cupcakes in the top third of the oven because I want to help them dome. And that ought to tell you that if you're baking your cakes on the top rack of your oven, they're going to dome and you don't necessarily want that. Please choose recipes from a trusted, reliable source. I get emails very frequently from people who say, I made this cake, it was terrible. Well, there are so many wonderful vegan bakers today who are have wonderful, reliable recipes that produce delicious results. You don't have to reinvent the wheel. And most important, learn foundational technique. That's what we teach in essential vegan desserts. And it is really key. Most of the cakes in the essential vegan desserts course are measured and mixed. It's dry ingredients in one bowl, liquid ingredients in another bowl, and you don't combine to make batter until the oven is set, the pans are prepared, you're ready to go because we don't want the leavening to die. There is a document attached to this event that has tips for making successful vegan cakes and also a recipe for a vanilla cake that I would invite you to take and enjoy. But again, you want to use the right size pan. You want to prepare the pan properly. The biggest closet in my home actually has all of my bakeware. I have a lot, probably a lot more than I need now. These are parchment liners that I buy that are already cut to fit the bottom of a lot of my pans. You can cut your own variety of cake pans. I have all different sizes. This is called a cake core. Now, many vegan cakes, particularly the ones that are made with liquid sweeteners and liquid fats, you want to make sure that, well, with any cake, you want to make sure that the center bakes properly and it takes a little more doing with a vegan cake. So I suggest that you, well, I want to say I demand, I suggest you don't fill the pan more than a scant half full. And when I'm going beyond a nine inch round, I use this cake core to make sure that the heat gets into the center. So I oil this, put it in the center of the pan, put some batter in, and that's that. If you aren't sure about a recipe, and my students hear this a lot, 
you definitely want to do a test. Cut the recipe in half, maybe cut it by a quarter, scale it down. You want to preserve the integrity of the dessert. So maybe you're going to make a cupcake instead of a whole cake. Or, you know, I have some very small cake pans to do tests with. And then you can decide what you might want to do better. Record your notes. I use a scale. And the reason that I want everyone or I suggest that everyone record their own weights of ingredients is they vary. We are using flowers in, you know, Ruby is a very international company that makes things really interesting and actually really fabulous. But flowers are different. Our granulated sweeteners are different. So you do your own weighing on a digital scale and you'll never go back. And then you can just keep zeroing the scale out. You're not using as many bowls. So that's really a terrific thing to do. Bake until the cake is done. What does that mean? The, it means your oven is at temperature, hopefully. But I use a wooden skewer, not a metal cake tester. I find that it holds, I can feel it better. I don't want to, if I pull the, the wooden skewer or toothpick out of the cake and it's completely dry, well, the cake may be overdone. But, you know, a few crumbs is okay if it feels sticky, back into the oven it goes. I resist the temptation to keep looking because my oven is very sensitive to depends on you know you don't want to keep opening and closing the oven those of you who are working commercially it's a it's a situation but you want to keep the heat in the oven and then you want to cool your cake on an elevated cooling rack and then turn the cake out of the pan my fingers are really used to heat so i usually wait five six seven minutes at the most take a thin offset spatula very carefully around the size of the pan, turn the cake out and let it cool completely. Once it's completely cool, my cake layers almost always go into the, they always go into the refrigerator unless it's a cake where you're eating it right out of the pan. You know, one of those yummy, just simple cakes. But if I'm going to fill and finish the cake, then I want to get it cold first. That will really help your finishing work. So that cake is made with quite a lot of liquid ingredients. It's very simple because again, it's dry in one bowl, liquid in another bowl. You don't have to, you can do that ahead. I like to leave the vinegar out of my cake and I'll put a note with tape on it saying add vinegar so I remember unless I'm making a vegan buttermilk, which is made by clabbering a rich plant milk. And the work that can be done with a couple of basic, reliable, delicious vegan cakes in your back pocket or in your notebook is remarkable. I'm gonna stop here and go to a couple of questions because I see a lot of really interesting questions today and I wanna to get to as many as possible. Lonnie is asking, 
Can dried up vanilla beans be turned into DIY vanilla powder? If so, what's the best option for grinding it down? Would you rather, would the grain, the grain bowl of a Vitamix or something else? Well, I'm very happy that my friend, Chef Kathy Gold, who is the chef owner of In the Kitchen Cooking School and actually did a vanilla event, live event with me. You can go to the live events library and learn a lot about vanilla by watching this live event that we did together has a wonderful answer here. She says, yes, if the beans are very dry, snap them in pieces, grind in bursts until a fine powder. Unless you have, you know, a bucket full, I would use a nut and seed grinder. And you can do this with beans, even with beans that have been previously scraped. In other words, the caviar has come out. That's great to know. The powder will be wonderful, a big punch of flavor. And Kathy also says, before you grind them, don't count them out. She has rehydrated a pound of beans that were that dry, put them into thin jars, add about an inch of a good bourbon. I think maybe, well, Kathy did it with bourbon. You might be able to do it with another alcohol. Put the beans upright, seal the jar. A week later, she says the aroma was fabulous. The beans were pliable. She could even scrape the caviar. So that's something that I'm really happy to know. Thank you, Lani, for answering, asking that question. And thank you, Kathy, for the response. Here is my friend, Chef Charlene Nolan. I know some of you know Chef Char. She works uh, at Ruby as one of the graders. She does wonderful live events. So you really want to look for her live events. And we are buddies for years. So Char wants to know, what are your thoughts about using a vegan cake mix and 12 ounces of club soda to complete making a cake. If not using a vegan cake mix, can you take the dry ingredients and add the club soda? Thanks, Char. Well, Char, let me thank you because this is something that's been kind of going around. I've been hearing about using carbonated water as an egg replacement. I actually... This is amazing how people who are friends are sometimes on the same wavelength. So I have this piece of paper because I wrote down for myself yesterday before I saw your question, I did some research and carbonated water, sparkling water, seltzer, I'm from Brooklyn, supposed to be quarter of a cup per egg up to three eggs. That sounds like a lot to me. You'd be using three quarters of a cup of sparkling water. I did a test this morning. I wanted to see if my one of my vanilla cakes, instead of using plant milk, and the plant milk I would use would either be soy milk because it's very rich in protein, it has enough fat, or an oat milk for the soy avoiders. I am not one of those. I've been eating soy for years and I'm more than just fine, but I wanted to see how it would work. And I have to say, my little cake, I baked a small one. What I said earlier, because I wanted to make, you know, I wasn't going to do a full-size cake if I didn't know how it would turn out. I used a scale so I could divide the batter. This was 
made with the milk. This was made with the carbonated water and this is lighter. So I will be doing that. But back to Char's question. Now I used a portion of the, I replaced a portion of the milk with the carbonated water, not the whole entire amount. But Char, I know that Char Nolan is following and teaching a whole food plant-based no oil dietary preference. And so I believe what Char is asking me is, will that 12 ounces of club soda replace not only the milk, but the fat, as the, the milk and the fat? And I would have to say probably not. But Char, I'm going to ask you to either make your own vegan cake mix, which in essence was the dry ingredients that you saw Don putting together, Don, our co-founder of Ruby, putting together in that video and then testing it with the club soda. And please get back to us. I would really like to know. But thank you for asking the question and thank you for everything. So Paige, hi Paige, wants to know what tips do you have for those of us using gluten-free flours? Number one tip is when recipes say just use the same amount of a gluten-free flour as the wheat flour in the recipe, don't believe them because gluten-free baking needs more tweaking than that. It's different if you want to get it right. My preference for gluten-free flour is this one. It's Bob's Red Mill. It's one-to-one, gluten-free one-to-one baking flour. It is a mix of a couple of different gluten-free flours, sweet rice, whole grain brown rice, potato starch, whole grain, sorghum flour. Sorghum flour is a wonderful flour. Some tapioca and xanthan. This mix is complete. So I whisk all of my flours before I measure them. I make sure to really whisk this one up very well before I use it. If you're using a gluten-free flour mix that doesn't contain either xanthan or gum, you're going to need to add some. We have a unit on, we've got some many gluten-free recipes in the course. Essential Vegan Desserts is not a gluten-free course. We want everyone to learn how to do things right, and then you can go off and do your own variations. But there are a lot of gluten-free people, and I recommend that particular flour very well. We have a gluten-free mix in the course as well. Hi, Patricia. Patricia is looking for delicious Vegan vanilla cake that can be used for birthday or even wedding cake. Do you have a recipe you can share along with the frosting? Patricia, the event document happens to have a recipe for vanilla cake that's very nice and sturdy enough to use as a wedding cake. You know, a wedding cake, if you're going to be stacking it, you don't want a very soft, very tender cake. You don't want a heavy cake. You never want a heavy cake. But this would really work. And I don't know what kind of frosting you would like to use for a wedding cake, but it's really simple to make a vegan version of a buttercream. We have a delicious one in the course, and there are so many nice vegan butters now. 
go ahead and good luck to you. Um, Lisa wants to know, any suggestions on making vegan cakes that are oil-free without them being gummy? That's a hard one. And I would say, Lisa, that you're going to have, it's, it's, when I say hard, I mean, you're going to have to do a little bit more testing. I make some oil-free cakes. I prefer, personally prefer a very tender, lovely crumb. A, I don't want to say a soft cake necessarily, but a lovely cake. I find the cakes without oil are a little more dense, but it doesn't mean they're not delicious. So when I was asked by Rip Esselstyn, some of you know, Dr. Esselstyn, Rip Esselstyn, the engine two diet and so on. When I was asked to make his wedding cake, clearly I was going to make a cake without oil and I wasn't going to give them one that was gummy. That's for sure. So I did a lot of tests and I was able to, create a nice cake. I did not use any fruit puree. A lot of people replace the oil. When I say oil, I'm talking, it could be butter. I'm talking about the fat in the cake. I didn't replace the fat in that cake with any applesauce, which is done very often, or dried plum. I started to say prune because to me, dried plums will always be prunes. That's what they are. I use some in a gluten-free brownie that I have, and I found that it was really fine. I'm working on more variations of that cake, so I would say you have to keep trying. Someone told me just yesterday that they added some vegan yogurt in place of the fat in a cake recipe, and it worked really well. So Lisa, the bottom line is find a good recipe, scale it down, do some tests, use all the rules about baking cakes properly and a well-made vegan cake without any added fat should not be gummy. Let's see, Laura, hi Laura. Laura wants to know when a recipe calls for castor sugar, can you replace it with a healthier date sugar, which is also super fine or maybe with coconut sugar? That's a great question, Laura. So if there's anybody here who doesn't know, castor sugar is just very super fine sugar. I make my own by grinding organic vegan cane sugar in the dry bowl of my Vitamix. I store it airtight and it's fine and ready to go for when I need very fine sugar. It isn't the same thing as confectioner sugar. It doesn't have any starch in it. Now, the date sugar question is really interesting. My answer, answer, my technical answer is no. I don't bake with date sugar. I don't think it dissolves correctly. It doesn't dissolve in cakes as far as I'm concerned. Can you see this one's lumpy and really dark? So this is some date sugar that I've had for quite a while. And what I did with most of it recently was I put it in a saucepan, I covered it with some water, just barely to cover. And I decided to see if I could make date paste using this date sugar. And I did. It's different from the date paste, somewhat different from the date paste that I use when I'm starting with whole dates, but it works. Recently, I got this. This is what I'm sure Laura's talking about. 
this very finely ground, it's almost like baby powder, date sugar. I'm going to give it another try. And when I say another try, I mean, I've been trying to bake with date sugar for a while. I don't like it. I don't think that it adds the right flavor. I don't think it dissolves correctly. I do use coconut sugar. I grind it because most coconut sugar is coarse. Another sugar that you can try or sweetener, if you like Laura, is maple sugar. So give those a try and see what you want. Now, I've got a question here. What's your favorite vegan substitute for butter, specifically in regards to the creaming method? Well, vegan butter. <laughs> when I started 25 plus years ago, we only, you know, and I was working at my first job, there were these sticks of hydrogenated margarine. We know today that hydrogenation is really unhealthful, but also smelled awful and tasted bad. And I remember thinking, you know, I need this job. I'm learning. I want to keep this job. But the taste of that butter is going to come through. We're pretty spoiled today. So here is the butter that I use the most. This is Miyoko's Creamery cultured butter. This one with the yellow label is salted. She has an unsalted as well. This is a lower fat butter than a butter made by Flora. For example, Flora butter is about 80%, 81% butter fat. And that's really close to the European style butters that pastry chefs like to use. When you're creaming the butters, um, this one is going to melt more quickly. You want to start with it a bit colder and don't over cream it. The higher fat butters go ahead and cream just like anything else. I've been making a, a new recipe that I really like. A new recipe that's super old is called ermine frosting. It's I call it ermine. I don't know if it's ermine or ermine, but it's like a, you make a cooked almost pudding base with flour and let it cool and then add butter incrementally and you pay attention to the temperature. Evidently, it was the original red velvet cake frosting before cream cheese. It's delicious. I love it. And I've done it both with wheat flour and gluten-free flour and it works great. So I've been using the Miyoko's and it works really fine, really, really fine. Thank you for that question. So Harriet wants to know what are good substitutions for milk and eggs when baking? I make my own homemade almond, walnut milk and applesauce. When I bake cookies, sometimes the texture can be gummy. There's that gummy again. Well, substitutions for milk, for dairy milk is easy. Almost any plant milk you like will work to replace dairy milk. If you're replacing a whole milk, you know, you might want to use soy or a very rich cashew milk, and that will work great. But I find that they all work interchangeably. Not so much rice milk. It's very thin. There's not a lot of protein. So I, I think of that as water in many cases. Consider the flavor of these different milks and then choose what you like. In terms of eggs, that's a big question. I see charts all the time that are very definite. 
you know, like quarter of a four tablespoons. What did I say? Quarter of a cup of fizzy water is one egg or this much applesauce is one egg. It depends on what you're making. And I was interviewed for an article on replacing eggs for self magazine. And the, it, you can find it online, just Google egg replacement self magazine. And it was fascinating for me because I wrote what I like to use. And there were a couple of other vegan pastry chefs who had different ideas about what to use. And that's just the truth. You have to find out your, you know, your cookies. I don't know what the recipe is. I can't tell you why they would be gummy. I would say, keep trying. If a recipe is almost right, almost giving you what you want, keep going. If it's really awful, you know, I don't like food waste and I have a freezer full of crumbs and all kinds of interesting things that I can combine to make, you know, with tests that didn't come out just exactly the way I wanted to, but they weren't awful. But you have to train yourself. Sometimes something can't be fixed. So go ahead, Harriet, keep working on it and learn about egg replacement. We have an entire unit, obviously, in this course on egg replacement. Hi, Teresa wants to know about avoiding coconut cream. Is there a better ingredient for frosting? She used avocado recently, but was nice, but expensive. There are a lot of frostings that don't use coconut cream. I mean, I hardly ever use coconut cream for a frosting. I mean, if you don't use buttercream, we have agar-based um, frostings that can be whipped in the course, or you can use a chocolate ganache. Um, so I would say don't worry about the coconut cream. You don't need to use it. Laura says, Happy New Year, Chef Fran. Well, Happy New Year to you, Laura, and to everyone. What are your three must-have ingredients when baking vegan cakes? Well, flour, <laughs> sweetener, and a plant milk are my must-have ingredients. That's for sure. So that's a really interesting question. The fat is probably a part of it, but not necessarily Angelina wants to know, what are your favorite ingredient substitutes for making cakes keto-friendly? I am definitely not a keto expert, but coconut sugar will certainly, coconut sugar I know is allowable in keto desserts. Coconut, coconut flour, there are other flours that will work to make keto-friendly desserts. Mary Ellen says, good afternoon. I'm whole food, plant-based and gluten-free. I try to use, let's see, the recipe, just, the question went away, <laughs> but it's gotta be here. Oh, here we go. Cause it's because I skipped a question. Kate, I'll get back to you in a minute. Uh, I try to use odor buckwheat flour instead of more refined gluten-free flours. Any tips for helping the baked goods rise and have the best texture? The answer again is you need a mix of flowers. I find a mix of flowers is the best. Get to know your flowers, get to know your ingredients. When I was leaving the traditional world for, you know, to create what I wanted to create was a modern vegan pastry kitchen. I had to get to know the ingredients and by using them, by tasting them, speaking of tasting, I know we're talking about alternative flowers here, but don't taste raw flour. 
And, you know, occasionally I will take a little taste of the batter. It kind of helps me remember, but don't a lot. I used to say, oh, you know, we're not using raw eggs. Go ahead and taste the batter. You don't have to worry about salmonella. But if anyone has looked at the package of a bag of even organic King Arthur flour now, there's a big sign that says don't eat raw flour. There's been a lot of... Um, there's been a fair amount of salmonella, so be careful about that. No cookie dough unless you're making a chickpea cookie dough <laughs> cookie. Um, Roseanne wants to know, if a recipe calls for barley or oat flour, what can be used instead? Well, barley flour has a very definite taste. It is not gluten-free, as I recall, or oat flour. Try other, you know, there are so many alternative flowers now that you can try. And that would include nut flowers too. Remember that when you're using nut flowers, they, and a nut flower, it came to my attention recently that someone did not know that a nut flower is just finely ground nuts, carefully ground if you're doing it yourself because you don't want them to turn to nut butter but they're going to add some fat. Hi, Kate. Kate wants to know, when using reduced aqua faba for baking, I have previously used the liquid drain from a can of no salt added chickpeas. Will I get the same result in my baking when I can only find low salt chickpeas? Will I need to make any adjustments? That's a good question. You'll probably have to reduce the salt in your recipe is the only thing that I can say. But Kate, maybe you wanna start cooking your own chickpeas too, and then don't add any salt to the liquid that the chickpeas are cooking in. Cook them with a piece of kombu seaweed. You get a really strong aquafaba. I like that Kate said that she's using reduced aquafaba because that is, and oh, maybe there's somebody here who doesn't know what aquafaba is. It's chickpea liquid and it, we use it to make meringue. It, in the video, John showed the uh, baked Alaska. That meringue is made from chickpea water. And I reduce the canned liquid by about 25% till I get a half a cup and then chill it. And the homemade by a good half, a good half. Julietta says, I make my own almond milk. Do you have a cookie or cake recipe that will use the ground almonds, no wheat, no eggs? I know a lot of people are saving uh, the skins, the pulp that comes from making your own almond milk. I keep it in the freezer and I often will dehydrate it or bake it at a very low temperature and fold it into a cookie or cake recipe that might call for ground almonds instead. And I'm going to take Laura's question, and then I'm going to ask Patrick to show a couple of photos that I just am so proud of from some of our essential vegan desserts students. As this is an event about vegan cakes, I think we can look at some gorgeous vegan cakes that were made with very made using basic recipes for the cake and for the frostings and fillings. So, um, Laura. Hi, Laura. How are you? It's good to see you. Laura is a fine artist, a Ruby plant program, and is in the Essential Vegan Desserts course as well. 
Are some plant milks preferable over others for baking? That's a good question. In because I, you know, years ago I said they're all interchangeable. I think it depends. Sometimes I want a richer milk. I'm really loving oat milk lately, and my preferred brand happens to be Oatly. I think it's reliable. I like the taste, and it works for. It's got a subtle sweetness from the oats. You know, you will see sugars listed on a carton of oat milk, but there's no sugar added. That's from the starch being broken down. That's where those sugars come from. So for a, something that's very rich, I like to use an oat milk that has some fat in it. I was very surprised recently to learn I'm working on a new project for a company I bought the low fat or no fat. I think it's no fat, the no fat Oatly in the white box. It looks like what I remember skim milk, look, skim milk looking like. It's kind of grayish. And I have an espresso, I have a frotho, and that's how I can tell the fat that's in a plant milk is I'll throw some into, I won't throw it, I'll pour some into the frother. And it actually frothed and it made a beautiful ganache for some low fat or whole food plant-based, no oil people. So I was really happy to know that. So Laura, just think about the flavor as well. If you're using a hemp milk, hemp milk tends to have a kind of a grassy, grassy flavor. Regina wants to know what would make a chocolate cake sink in the middle? I have experienced this several times. The cake looks perfect in the oven, then deflates in the center. Without seeing the recipe and watching you make it, I can't give you a definitive answer, but I would suspect that the cake wasn't baked long enough. And maybe you ought to use this cake core because as a, as a way to ensure against cake <laughs> hollows in the center. So try that, Regina. Christy, hi. Can you recommend a great gluten-free flour brand? Well, again, it's this is the one that I like, the Bob's Red Mill. Gluten-free, one to one baking flour. I keep it in the refrigerator. I keep all of my flours in the refrigerator or freezer. And a good egg substitute, there are many. There are many. So there is commercial egg replacer. When I was developing my recipes, when I was switching over from traditional to vegan, there weren't, there nobody knew aquafaba. No one was using flax or chia gel. That's something one tablespoon of ground flax or ground chia mixed with three tablespoons of water. Sometimes I've used another liquid. You get a very gelled kind of an egg white looking result that will replace an egg. It depends on what you're, what you're making. Um, Pamela says I baked a batch of cookies from a mix. The ingredients included almond flour, rice flour, monk fruit sweetener, and some other ingredients. She added milk, oil, baked, and the cookies were good but dry. I don't know, Pamela. Um, it might either don't use that mix again, or you might want to add a little more liquid. You might want to add maybe some 
applesauce and bake a little bit less. When I bake cookies, unlike a cake, which has to go right into the oven, when I'm baking cookies, I bake off two first. And then I see if something has to be changed, if something has to be changed. So that's something that I suggest that you all do with cookies. Um, Elizabeth says, will you be discussing? Well, I will be discussing. I'm going to read your question. In baking, the differences in baking with the various milk alternatives. Um, yes, again, they, you know, some are richer than others. You want to consider the flavors of the milk. It, you might not notice it as much in a chocolate cake. You will notice it in a vanilla or a lemon cake, for example. And you're having trouble finding agar agar. So agar, if there's anybody here who doesn't know, agar is... <laughs> what I call a secret, one of the secret agent ingredients of vegan desserts. It is a gelatin replacement. Gelatin is bovine gelatin from an animal. Agar has been used for millennia in Asia. It is seaweed that when handled properly, it gels. It does more than just make jello. However, jello substitute when used in combination with starch slurries, it will make um, panna cotta, frostings, all kinds of wonderful things. So I don't know why you would have trouble finding agar. Agar, um, I use both the flakes and the powder. They aren't interchangeable. They're one is stronger than the other. You should be able to find it online in supermarkets. I've seen it. I know that students have told me they have found it in Walmart, Asian markets. So do a little search. You can, anybody can send an email to me at fran at ruby.com and I'll see if I can help you out. I'm going to be able to take another question here. Oh, this is cool. Spelt flour in place of all purpose flour. Do I need to make any adjustments? This is from Roseanne. So spelt flour, spelt is wheat. That's something I want to really emphasize. I was in a restaurant in New York a couple of years ago and the wait person said, I have a wheat-free cake for you, it's delicious. And I said, what's the flour? And he said, spelt. And I thought, okay, I know this is wheat, but if I was sensitive to wheat or celiac and I ate that cake, there would be a problem. Now, anecdotally, people who are, some people who have, Wheat sensitivities have an easier time digesting spelt. Spelt has a different kind of gluten. It's like a cousin. It's, it's an ancient grain. So I do use spelt flour. I use both the light, which is more like an AP flour, and the whole spelt, which is really like whole wheat flour. I use them in combination. I have learned over time that I'm really not making adjustments. Sometimes the batter-based dessert has to bake a little bit longer and you might need a little less liquid. Spelt tends to need a little less liquid. I baked cupcakes, the same recipe, because if you're doing a test, you want to use the same ingredients and the same recipe. I did one with 50% AP flour, 50% whole wheat pastry flour. 
and the other with 50% white spelt. I'm calling it white spelt. It's light spelt. That's what it is, light spelt. And 50% with the whole grain spelt. I'm just going to put my other ear pod in because I just hear that this one went tired on me. <laughs> and um, what I noticed was the spelt cupcakes tasted delicious, absolutely delicious, but they didn't dome. So that's what I would say. Start by just reducing a little bit of the liquid. You don't have to do anything with the leavening as far as I know. It's a very nice flour. Um, Karen wants to know regarding agar, either flakes or powder, how long does it need to boil to activate and does boiling it longer create a more rubbery texture? It is mostly, uh, agar has to come to a boil in order to activate the gelling. So I recommend that people let the agar sit on the cool liquid before they start cooking it in the same way if anyone here has used gelatin you bloom the gelatin so we're blooming the agar the flakes in particular have to be bloomed the powder is more instant but you definitely need to bring it to a boil i don't think boiling it longer will create a more rubbery texture but you might fall off some of the liquid and so you don't want to do that. I allow it to come to a complete boil and then I check on a spoon. I think you know this, Karen, to see if there is any visible agar in the liquid, if you can tell. And then do a test. Do a test. You want to make sure that what you made is what you meant to make. So you take a little pinch cup. I have a whole lot of pinch cups if I've done agar or a frosting, put a little, or a ganache, put a little bit in the cup, put it in the refrigerator for five minutes, and that's going to tell you, do you have to recook your agar? Do you have to add more agar? Do you have to add more liquid? So that will, that will take care of that. Um, Victoria wants to know what oil I'm using. I like to use sunflower oil. Some sunflower oil to me tastes almost buttery. And I also use a mild flavored extra virgin olive oil, little bit harder to find unless I'm doing an Italian olive oil cake. And then I'm really happy to have that grassy flavor come through. So that's something that I like to do. But I'm going to add a little bit to Victoria's question. And that is, if you're adapting a traditional recipe from butter to oil, you only need to use three quarters of the amount of oil as you would in butter. So that's something that you can definitely you, you know, remember that you need less fat and that's because oil is a pure fat, whereas butter, dairy butter anyway, has some milk solids in it. Um, Linda, you have made what from scratch? Oh, you, I made it from scratch from her recipe and it's great. 
Well, I'm glad, but I don't know what. Elizabeth wants to know, great class. Thank you, Fran. Well, it's my pleasure. Uh, do you ever use flaxseed or aquafaba for egg whites? Well, I use aquafaba for egg whites to make meringue. We have, this is another live event that you could look at in the, oh, in the beginning of Essential Vegan Desserts. I had a guest, Ju Deber, who wrote a book called Aquafaba, and she gave us a master class in aquafaba. It was fabulous. So I suggest that you go and look at that live event. But we have a recipe in the course. You allowed us to use this recipe where she, you're actually creaming the sweetener, the sugar, the granulated sugar into aquafaba and these for a lemon poppy seed muffin. It's just really wonderful. It's just really a wonderful recipe and it works. If I use aquafaba for an egg replacement, we have a formula in the course. I, again, because I was developing these recipes such a long time ago, my egg replacer has been a no egg replacer in a way. It's been baking powder, baking soda, and vinegar. But as I continue to develop recipes and refine them, I do sometimes use a flax gel, which is one tablespoon of ground flax or ground chia to three tablespoons of water per egg. I like that the best in something that's a little heartier, like a quick bread or a muffin or a cookie, not in a cake. Um, aquafaba, I think it's three tablespoons per egg. I can't say quote me on that. I don't have my notes in front of me. Erin uh, wants to know what's your favorite vegan buttermilk recipe and how far in advance. I like to take a rich plant milk. I think soy milk makes the best buttermilk substitute, but I've done it with oat milk and it works fine. I've been less successful with almond milk or anyway with commercially made almond milk. So you're not going to have the flavor of buttermilk. I happened to, as a kid, I liked buttermilk. My father used to drink buttermilk with black pepper on it. Maybe I just like being with my dad, but you, for each cup of a rich plant milk, you use some, I use apple cider vinegar or lemon, and then you really see it clabber. You see it start to separate and it will get thick. And I've done it. I usually do it while I'm doing the mise en place for my recipe. Um, not ahead. I don't think that it's something that I need to do ahead. And it's not something that takes a lot of time to do. So I do that as part of my, as part of my mise en place, but it works really, really, really well. Um, Julieta has an answer for us. She already saves her almond grounds in the freezer and uses them in cookies and cakes, but hasn't been able to find a recipe without eggs or wheat. Well, this, you know, this, we only do things without eggs or dairy or, oh, you're saying, or wheat. Um, well, I think you could probably find some, find some recipes or use it, use them to make a granola as well. And good luck on that, on that path. I think, let's see, I think, I don't think I have time for any more questions, but I see something here that I have not heard of. Michelle says, 
Thank you for the session. Thank you for having me. I'm happy to be here. What do you think about Better and Eggs product? I don't know. I haven't seen a product called Better and Eggs, but I think we're seeing a lot more egg replacements on them coming to market. I know there is the Just Egg, which is the liquid egg replacement. And in the first iteration of that, they said not to use it for baking. Now they're telling us we can use it to make some cookies. I haven't used it yet as an egg replacement. Again, I think I probably sound like a broken record because I'm just not finding it difficult to replace eggs. If a recipe calls for one egg, sometimes you can just leave it out. Think about what function of the egg you're replacing. An egg has liquid, an egg has fat, it's got some bind, you know, binding. We can do all of that with other ingredients, but beyond three eggs, I don't really go there. I'm gonna um, thank you all for being here now. I think it's important to start in classes on time. I hope you will all join me in February. The date is already in, on the Ruby website because I'm going to be doing my, I don't know, maybe it's the sixth annual <laughs> vegan Valentine's Day dessert extravaganza. Again, you can feel free to reach out to me at franatruby.com with any questions. I'm sorry if I didn't get to your question or if you have a follow-up. And if you have any questions about the course, if you're in the course, go to the Q&A. You may find an answer there at the particular assignment or ask your question there if you want to know about, oh, maybe what kind of mixer to buy or favorite cake pans. Join the Facebook group, the private Facebook group for Essential Vegan Desserts. That's a great place to ask questions. And again, you can always write to me. If you've got a question of a technical nature, write to support at ruby.com and someone will get right back to you. I can assure you that. So everyone, thank you for spending this time with me today. Take care, be safe, be well, eat happy. And remember, going back to Julia, she said, Julia Child said, a party without a cake is just a meeting. So learn to make some nice vegan cakes and enjoy. Bye.